I'm back with Danielle for part two. On this episode, we will be talking about anxiety and sex. So if you want to listen to part one on anxiety and dating, um, just head over wherever you listen to podcasts and listen to that one first if you haven't yet. Um, Welcome back, Danielle. Hi. (laughs) For us, it's the same day, but for you, it's not going to be. (laughs) Um, So we've had so many conversations about this topic when it comes to dating, when it comes to sex, when it comes to everything. I find I can be like really, really open with you about this. Um, why why is this something that you're like really passionate about talking about? Ooh, oh my God, uh, how much time do we have really? I think I'm very passionate about this because the way in which we speak about sex, the way in which we teach children about sex, the way that we perceive sex is so deeply flawed in our society that I just feel like anxiety around this topic is inevitable for so many people and I think that's why I'm passionate about it Mm -hmm. um I think the first time I was ever introduced to the idea of sex was in sixth grade and they were teaching us you know p and v sex this is how babies are made and literally I think one of the first questions or the first like real conversations was around like sex and pain I think the entire conversation that we had and how we teach people about sex even how cis hetero it is is deeply flawed and no wonder you have so many people with questions or so much ignorance around the topic and i think that creates a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. for people i have so much to unpack just from that (laughs) like really how much time do we have really so the first one that i wanted to talk about was yeah growing up with sex education you're kind of told that as a as someone with a vagina it's going to hurt really badly and you're going to get pregnant and die like in Mean Girls, you know. That's pretty much how I... Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what they... Word for word, that's the quote. Yeah, and a lot of people that I've interviewed too have that exact same thing. You get pregnant and die like, or you get an STD or or it's going to be really painful. And I remember in sixth grade, my... When the gym teacher is the the same as the health... As the the same person that teaches you health, um, he was talking about his wife and he was saying to the class like because she had given birth that same year he was saying that you know her vagina ripped from her hole all the way from her vagina hold all the way to her asshole and I was like oh my god that's horrifying and I I kind of I know that we've kind of talked about that before that like the idea of pregnancy is so terrifying because of the way that we're talked to about it so like what are your anxieties surrounding that oh my god I think that entire topic is just so anxiety produced inducing because mm-hmm. I have rarely heard good experiences with pregnancy. And even when I ask like some of my pregnant friends, it's just like, I'm okay. Yeah, some days I'm, you know, I can't sleep or whatever. Like I've never heard someone go, I love it. It's the most amazing experience. And there are women out there who I'm sure do love the experience and have an amazing pregnancy from start to finish, Mm -hmm. but I have not met them. Or we've been conditioned to just, you know, talk about the really terrible stuff about pregnancy and none of the amazing things that come with it. Um, But yeah, I've heard some really terrible horror stories. And, you know, when I was younger, the one thing that I heard that wasn't really a horror story but like I carry with me now for so many years is so many women complained about how much weight they gained and how much they didn't lose Mm. which at the time just felt 
I was like, oh, is this just normal? Like for you to not, for you to like be so self-conscious about your weight when you're pregnant. But I, it didn't seem, it didn't seem like an effective way of talking about pregnancy. It's like, obviously you're carrying another human. Of course you're going to gain weight. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. My, a couple of my friends are like, oh, I got so fat. I gained so much weight. I'm like, yeah, there's another human being inside of you. Like there's nothing wrong with gaining weight when you're growing another human inside of you. And, and that's, yeah, that's something that's so, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting to me as well. Is that like, that, that is something that a lot of people talk about. And I'm like, do they not realize like how incredible their body is and like how, how they're growing another human being yeah and they also talk about a lot of how they didn't gain their body back and how their weight changed and i think all of those conversations are valid because when your body changes in such a drastic way grieving your old body and then accepting your new body with all the stretch marks and all is a process and i don't and i don't want to invalidate that because i've never been through that and i'm sure it is an experience for a lot of people when they are figuring out the new ways what their body is capable of now one it gave birth to an amazing human but two can you do as many things as you used to do before depending on the complications you had during birth or pregnancy mm-hmm. um but at the same time sometimes i've always wondered if we concentrate on the right thing or if we've been conditioned to concentrate on the wrong thing surrounding um pregnancy and birth and sex um so (laughs) as we said in like sex education our sex education is so very limited Mm -hmm. it's not um lgtb lgbt based it's not it's very preventative and abstinence based i don't know about you but that's pretty much all i learned oh yeah and and everyone that i've interviewed and people that i've talked to and even when i was doing my master's thesis which is something that i would love to share on this podcast sometime um it's all the same thing like a lot of people growing up it was all don't have sex like it wasn't how to have sex safely it wasn't how to experience pleasure from sex it wasn't like anything that we actually need to know um it was just basically like don't do it and so when you're doing it then you have no fucking idea what to do yeah and what's funny is that it's i had the similar experience where it wasn't pleasure informed at all it was preventative and abstinence based Mm -hmm. um so i grew up thinking that sex is solely to make a child (laughs) right for the longest time and i actually had a teacher in high school who said you are only to have sex to make babies it is not for anything else other than to make babies Mm -hmm. and i was as old as i want to say 15 when he when he mentioned that and this was a man teaching like other women like you're only supposed to have sex to have babies and right i'm like even though the clitoris is like made for pleasure and it doesn't do anything else other than for pleasure being there to please you yeah Yeah, i know and i remember thinking one is this appropriate (laughs) like two are you sex informed three what the hell just happened (laughs) i'm really glad you had that reaction because it could have been so bad if you were like oh okay no one's ever talked to me about that before so like now i know what my body's for is for making babies like some people might actually go home and believe that i think i definitely internalized it Mm -hmm. because when you're taught that you are taught essentially to associate sex with shame and that breeds anxiety totally Um, And I think if you had a relationship with your parents where they or you were not talking about sex openly, that also breeds shame and anxiety. So I had friends whose parents were a bit younger than mine, and so were very, very... I I, 
don't want to say progressive, but they were a lot just more open about talking to their child about dating and sex and boys. And so there was never a stigma in their household about what questions they could ask or what they couldn't ask. So mm -hmm. as a child who learned about sex in sixth grade, coming home and asking your mom, your dad, or even your grandma about it. And my grandma was floored. She was just like, wait, what? Sixth what do you know about what do you know about sex? Six you're you're eleven. Stop it. <laughs> I was like, no, grandma, we learned about this. And she was like, she was just absolutely flabbergasted that, you know, an eleven year old was coming home or was I even eleven? I think it was maybe even ten. And mm -hmm. she was just like, How I didn't learn about this ever. Or I didn't learn about this till I was actually having sex or like when I was in my teens. And I think that was the first step, I think, with sex education to teach people younger so there would be less teen pregnancies less stds which mm -hmm. i agree with and i think that was very progressive of the time but it you know 31 years later and we're still it nothing much has changed we're still talking about sex in the same way and i see nothing changed in my peers or even the younger generation and how they think about sex it still breeds and manifests itself in a lot of anxiety and a lot of hesitancy and mm -hmm. questioning and wondering you know am i behind <laughs> the things like that and i think that's just something we need to address going forward if we're going to have like more informed sex education in schools yeah i know when i think about there's a few anxieties that come up but um yeah like pregnancy being one of them like that's something that's always in the back of my mind and something I'm always scared of and even my friends who were my cis friends straight friends who were having sex with men would always every single month they'd be like oh my god am I pregnant am I gonna have a baby like that's when you have anxiety it's something you're always thinking about and then at the same time there's also like since we're not educated properly it's it's also like the understanding of of what pregnancy is but also like what healthcare surrounding pregnancy means because with like with everything going on in the world right now with mm -hmm. women's rights like oh, in the yeah. US you know like I've been thinking about that while you were talking and I was like if people had better education they would understand why it's so important to have those clinics like not just for abortions but for you know like STD testing and for you know if someone's in an unsafe situation and stuff like that like people really for them it's very much like it's kind of like the church and state. They say it's separated, but it's fucking not. It's not. They use their religion as an excuse to control people's bodies when really, like, there's so many other things involved. And, like, I could go on about this forever, but... I've watched some horror story, like, social media videos mm -hmm. of, like, women explaining their conversations with other people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was this one woman who, you know, asked her boss, can I... I need to take a break, um, essentially, to go change because my period has started. Mm -hmm. And he essentially said, um, you know, you woman, you always try to use this as an excuse and blah, 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 blah. And, he said, and she said, you know, if you, if you don't give me this break right now, I'm going to bleed through my panties onto my pants and everyone's going to see it. And his response was like, oh, wow, you can't just, like, stop it from doing that? And I was just like, no, this has to be a joke. It has to be a joke. Yeah. And so I clicked on the thread and she explained like it wasn't a joke. He, she actually had to explain to him how the body how works. How the body, how the female body works. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, whoa, we have, we have failed as a society mm -hmm. when we're asking questions like that. Even now, 
with all these uh, uh, abortion rights going on, you know, I've seen some really respectfully, and I see this, I say this with the deepest disrespect possible, mm-hmm. but some dumbass questions being asked mm-hmm. about like abortion, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, we have truly failed. We have truly failed. I mean, yeah. you know, on a surface level, here we are talking about anxiety and sex, um, and then our fear of like we're gonna get pregnant and die. Well, that's kind of gonna be a reality if we don't shape the fuck up. <laughs> right? Well, I was thinking too, like, there's already a fear surrounding, have, and there's already anxieties just around having sex for that I experience and that a lot of people that I know experience. But, like, imagine being in the States where you have all that anxiety, but then also, like, if I get pregnant at 16, if the condom breaks, if this happens, there's no way for me to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's crazy to me. Like, I can't even... I would I would never... Like, not that I would never have sex, but I would be so scared to. Like, my anxiety is already so bad surrounding it. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine, like, living there and then having, having that as well? Like, it's just... And it scares me, too, because some people are like, oh, don't say that this could never happen in Canada because we've got some, like, pretty hardcore people advocating for the same thing to happen here. We and have was, a lot of conservative energy in this yeah, country as well. We do, yeah. Um, but when we talk about anxiety and sex, I think mm-hmm. what the root is, is one, how we talk about sex. Yeah. Um, how we condition people to talk about sex. And then how our response to that so whether we advocate for more progressive approaches to how we talk about it and then how we on our individual lives treat sex with our partners or whomever Mm -hmm. because when you start from a childhood age you can't tell me and you're talking to children about sex and you can't tell me that when they're actually ready to have sex and when they're going to have sex, that that doesn't affect them. You can't tell me that. I have classmates from high school who as early as 13 were saying that I'm never going to have sex. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a nun or I'm going to have my uterus removed. Like as early as 13. And I'm like, that is, I want to say that's not normal because I don't want to invalidate their experiences. Right. But where is it coming from? But where is that yeah. coming from? To decide that early in your life that sex is definitely not something that you want to ever partake in. Mm-hmm. And it, you can't, and it, it really, like for me especially, I'm like, that comes from how we teach about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're teaching about it from a fear based perspective and a shame based perspective, then why would anyone ever want to engage in it? You sum that up so well. I, when I'm thinking about, you know, like anxiety surrounding sex, like pregnancy is one of them. But then the second thing that comes to mind is pleasure. Like this, all of the dialogue surrounding pleasure and the way that we weren't taught about it. And then having to kind of, and then the shame surrounding that as well. Like those are things that are constantly, like, that's why I'm so passionate about this topic. And it's kind of why I created this podcast to like have these conversations. But yeah, that's something that that I find that I have a lot of anxiety around. But because sex education doesn't include a lot of a lot of like LGBTQ inclusion, include inclusion, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of people like don't know different ways that you can experience pleasure. Like you know, with a man and a woman, it's like penetration. That's it. But then you have penetrative sex, and you're like, so something wrong with me if I didn't enjoy that and it's because we're not taught the different ways but there's so many other ways that exist I also have recognized as I've grown older and educated myself 
the way the media portrays sex, and we're talking about movies and TV, if we go even further how porn portrays sex, obviously P, like when we engage in P and V sex, especially for like men, they're not going to engage in it in a way that they think whether or not both parties are enjoying the same experience. Right. And so it comes back to that pleasure-informed education of sex. If we're not teaching that and we're not seeing that in the media and then we're not getting that education from home, Mm -hmm. then experiences regarding sex, especially for women, are going to be so (laughs) par. Because we're battling media-informed, fair-based, shame-based portrayals of sex that need to adhere to a strict protocol of P and V's get a very cis-hetero portrayal of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not just up to us as women to educate ourselves on what is the most pleasurable thing and then what we like and being open to like exploring and those things like that, but mm-hmm. it's up to also like our partners as well to explore what is pleasurable for me, but what is also pleasurable for my partner? Mm-hmm. And how can we intertwine both of those ideals in the bedroom? Exactly. A, a lot of people that I've I've been with, slept with, or hooked up with, or, you know, done anything with, I find that they they have this idea in their head that there there is only one way. And it does get really frustrating because I, I always thought that something was wrong with me and something was wrong with my body. And after like reading all these things i was like oh my gosh i so many women are experiencing this and so many people are are one are thinking the same thing thinking that something's wrong with them because they can't like have an orgasm from penetration or you know sex is really painful for them and and so i think it's it's important to have like both sides know that but i found that like a lot a lot of my situations have been very one-sided where like i'm very aware of it and aware of what i like but other people that I've dated aren't really aware of like the different ways that a body works Mm -hmm. and so it's it is frustrating you kind of have to bring both together and explain it over and over again and that's where a lot of my anxiety lies into is kind of that like sex can be really painful for me Mm -hmm. um I've seen so many doctors about it and you know just like hoping that I end up with somebody who understands all of that yeah I had my fair share of people who just did not want to comprehend the basic notion mm-hmm. of that there wasn't just one way to, to engage in intimacy yeah. that there were multiple ways of doing that and I've had friends who've also you know their anxiety about sex was just wanting to wait and then dating yeah. people who were not res- respectful of that or who wanted to shame them for that or would peer pressure them into that and I have one too many classmates who um, either really had the best time of their lives and it was great, but I had too many who felt like they had to fit into a norm and did not have a great experience. And I'm talking about men and women. Yeah, definitely. Like I have, you know, when we talk about really painful, emotionally physical, painful ideas about sex, a lot of people think it's women, but I have I have a few uh, male friends, men or like men, who have spoken about like I had a horrible first time, and I never want to experience that again. And part of that is one, the lack of sex education. I guess again, pleasure informed sex education, but emotionally informed sex education. We leave out the whole emotional aspect of sex from our education in high school and in university. 
So when you're not talking about the emotional components of being that intimate with somebody else, whether you know them for a long time or a short time, then there are repercussions to that. I think the only emotionally based conversation we ever had around sex while in high school was the shame that will accompany it if you engage in it too early, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Um, so when you do that and it breeds anxiety, it breeds anxiety not just in, with girls but in boys because I've heard so many of my guy friends talk about they didn't like their first time. And when I pried in deeper, it's not because, well, I don't know, maybe there was a pain-based aspect towards it, but I usually get the sense that there was an emotional component that was missing and that they weren't informed about, mm -hmm. that bred a sense of anxiety and fear and embarrassment where they felt like they can't be open about it as well. And I think that comes down again to like maybe toxic masculinity, the fact that we teach men that they're emotional vulnerability is bad and that the alpha strong alpha who doesn't need any confirmation or validation from anyone is the perfect man and that is false right i know that is the opposite of what i think the perfect man is these days um yeah when you were saying that that sometimes people engage in certain things because they feel behind or that it's what they're supposed to be doing that's kind of why i started having sex because even at the time I, I wasn't really ready and I didn't feel like there were some situations where I felt very comfortable and I don't regret it all but there are others where I'm like well I guess this is what everyone else is doing and this is what they expect from me so I'm going to do it and that's something that I you know talk about a lot in therapy too I started seeing a sex therapist where they like go through regular therapy with you but also relate it to your sex life and romantic relationships in a way that's like really incredible because like we talked about in um, anxiety and dating it's like everything's kind of rooted in our childhood trauma and relating to our inner child and trying to heal that so it's like so many things that I do in my romantic and sexual relationships are like a result of trauma that I experienced as a kid yeah and you know what one thing that you mentioned where you normalize the discomfort mm -hmm. that is so pertinent because I did that too and I think a lot of people do that as well you you speak to either friends or family or in your case a therapist about the discomfort that you're feeling mm -hmm. and they're like yeah that's normal or oh don't worry or you're just not relaxed or you know things like that it's a very breezy gaslighty very dismissive concept mm -hmm. um and then you finally meet somebody usually a therapist who goes actually that is very false and you should not be feeling discomfort sex is supposed to be pleasurable it's supposed to be enjoyable you're like anxiety is normal but you're not supposed to have anxiety over pain and discomfort right you and your partner and you or you if you're doing solo sex should feel incredibly comfortable in engaging with that without the idea of pain being in the back of your head and yeah that's where the change needs to happen mm -hmm. like how do we get to that point where we're not normalizing discomfort especially for women because that's just the norm that we're supposed to feel. Right, exactly. And I find that a lot of people can be like very invalidating as well. Like, especially like some doctors even, like a lot of professionals that I've talked to and friends that I've talked to and people that I've had conversations with are so invalidating of my experience where I'm like, like when I first started having sex, I was like, something is feels really painful. And my friend's like, 
just use lube. You're not experienced enough. Like you just, you just haven't had enough sex. And I was like, no, like something's wrong. And she's like, no, you're just not experienced. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. And then like fast forward a few years and I'm still having the same issues. I'm like, okay, something's actually wrong. So I go see a doctor and they're like basically the same thing. They're like, oh, everything's fine. Like it'll go away. It's probably just in your head. And you're like, okay, yeah, maybe it is. And then the same thing keeps happening. And so seeing someone who specializes in, in that specifically, like seeing a sex therapist has been so helpful because they're like, no, it's actually, this is actually a real thing and you deserve to. <laughs> you know what's funny that you mm-hmm. said that you went to a doctor and they dismissed you as well because so much of the medical system is so deeply rooted in misogyny and racism mm. that when women do complain about discomfort or pain, they are often seen as being exaggerative and dramatic and theatrical as opposed to it being a valid concern that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And I have some of the same experiences that you do, Mm -hmm. where I've gone to the doctor, I've complained about pain, and they've dismissed it as just run-of-the-mill, just like, you'll be fine. Yeah, oh, you're just just anxious. Honestly, why are you wasting my time? That's kind of the the idea and the sentiment I get Mm -hmm. every single time. And it wasn't until I had to educate myself that I realized that that actually is not correct. And sometimes you actually do have to go to the doctor and say, I'm experiencing this. I think I have this. I would like better resources on how to address it. Because mm-hmm. your run-of-the-mill general GP, especially in this country, may not be educated on all things sex-related. Mm-hmm. And you need to be referred to a specialist. Whether that be a sex therapist or a physio who works on pelvic floor therapy. Yes, or, exactly. Or, or any person or a nurse who specializes in, in like pain disorders. Like You need... The specialist person and sometimes your gp is not that person and that is okay mm-hmm. they are they are there to recommend you to somebody specific but i think a lot of there are some gps who won't think above and beyond that so you sometimes have to be an advocate for yourself and can't you can't really depend on anyone to educate you because unfortunately we live in a society where our education system has failed us in many ways, especially with regards to sex education. So we have to do a lot of the educating and that's a continuous process throughout life that yeah. will, and you sometimes will feel like an absolute dumbass because how could I have not known this before? Mm-hmm. And you beat yourself up because why, why was I that dumb? How did I not know that? But you also have to go into your, your doctor's office and you have to advocate for yourself. You have to say, this is what I'm experiencing. I don't think it's normal. I would like to reach a point where x y and z result is my normalized perspective and experience Mm -hmm. how do i get there i've read that this x y and z person can help me can you refer me to somebody and that's and unfortunately we live in a society where women and poc women have to do that okay so what that reminded me of was that when you were saying that we need to educate ourselves and advocate for ourselves because otherwise basically no one else is going to Mm -hmm. um I have, like, a whole bookshelf of sex books. Basically, like, um, I have, like, The Ethical Slut on there and Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, which is one of my favorite books. And I have one called Sex at Dawn, which is kind of just about, like, prehistoric views of sex. Um, just basically just doing research to try to understand sexuality and, like, how our bodies work and, and how women's bodies work specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me because it's, like, educating yourself I don't know, like, educating yourself on that topic specifically just seems to have sort of this, like, stigma over it, where people assume that you're some type of person that has to be having a lot of sex and a lot of unethical sex, maybe, and, and just all these things about you that, that aren't true, and 
it's actually like a lot of different people can be interested in this topic yeah well one good on you for buying books about sex and educating yourself in that manner i think a lot of people just you know google yeah well google's nice too google's nice too um i'm a huge follower of instagram pages that Mm -hmm. are sex informed and sex educated yeah so good on you for buying those books i mean you can never you're not gonna stop somebody from having those perceptions because that's just ignorant and you can't change that it's true but what you can do is you can change your response to that and you can say you know you can hit them back with a actually i just i like to be sex informed or yeah you can hit them back with a um, what makes you say that? And then have them squirm. About yeah, what do you mean by that? Why, what do you mean by that? And yeah. ha- watch them squirm as they try to essentially explain the ignorance that just came out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. But I do think it comes from, I think, we, I'm not making excuse for those guys who mm. have done that. I think it comes from every person wants somebody who is excited about sex as they are. Mm-hmm. So I think think in some way they mean it as a compliment even though it's not (laughs) um they think of it as oh this person is as open and as you know willing to explore as i am about sex hopefully Mm -hmm. Uh, essentially they're saying oh damn this girl's a freak yeah that's (laughs) and that's they're like yay this is gonna be great for me or Mm -hmm. us or whatever um, and then I hit them with the boundaries, and they're like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I was expecting. What happened? Um, but, you know, good on them for being open to, you know, quote-unquote, an ethical slut or whatever. Yeah. But they're just, yeah, I think you can always hit them back with educating them. Like, actually, there's nothing wrong with women trying to educate themselves on sex, and you should too. And here is me going to educate you by hitting you with some truth. Um, but yeah, they're, they're always going to be those sets of people who see you reading a book, researching an article yeah, and want to prescribe an identity to you because Mm -hmm. their cultural or generational norms doesn't see that very often. They don't see the edu- like the self-education as something that's necessary. Um, and that is unfortunate, but you can't control that at least for them you Mm -hmm. can only control yourself that's true and one thing I try to do is I normalize a lot of things that are actually very taboo and I'll kind of just throw it into conversation like when I was before I was seeing a sex therapist I was doing art therapy um and I even in the past when people would talk about mental health or or things that like that or mention that they were struggling I would kind of just bring up therapy as a normal thing to bring up because like some people are in it and they don't really talk about it and even the other day I was in a van store buying a new pair of shoes and this girl was talking about how her therapist is located in a really similar place to mine she was like oh my therapist is close to here like um a new place that I'm working at she's like she just mentioned that she yeah happens to go to therapy by there and I was like oh mine's there too and she and it's different places but I was like oh mine's actually a sex therapist and she was like oh cool and so it's just opening it up in a casual conversation with a stranger is actually really nice because it normalizes things that like in the past weren't really that normalized yeah I think we're in a beautiful time where we're both destigmatizing and normalizing therapy and sex therapy and yes destigmatizing and normalizing are two different things Mm -hmm. um 
true. And true. it's great that we've reached that place. Um, I personally still struggle with bringing up therapy to different people because I'm from the Caribbean. Mental health is still like decades behind in, mm. in a lot of the parts of the Caribbean, in a lot of countries. And generationally, you'll find that like older generations just do not see therapy as, as an important dynamic in your everyday development yeah. as you know maybe even though they need it <laughs> even though they need it millennials and gen x right. so when i brought it up even in casual conversations to other people it's been met with kind of a stigma and a pushback and a hesitancy and almost an insult like how dare you like how dare you um but if there's one thing i will stand by and this is the hill i will die on is that everyone needs therapy yeah. every single fucking person and I think everyone can benefit from sex therapy because everyone has a relationship to sex that they need to explore mm-hmm. if they want better sex. And if you want to really explore, you know, and educate yourself on, on sex and, and, and trauma-informed, pleasure-informed, emotionally-informed sex education, then going to therapy and even seeing a sex therapist is super important. And, and you were also mentioning that there's some, like, Instagram accounts that you follow that, that cover some topics that, that help you a lot. Um, if you can think of some of them. Like, what are some of your favorites? Ooh, um, Hello Vulva is one. Oh, I love Hello Vulva. I love Hello Vulva. I yeah. think I just love it. And it's just my favorite. And they're local as well. They're so local. And yeah. then there's another one. I want to say Queer Informed Sex therapy i think is also one i follow them as well so we follow a lot of the similar ones we follow some of the similar ones yeah and there's a lot of relationship-based ones that i think are also super important so um Mm -hmm. holistic psychologist also talks about you know relationships yeah and uh cheryl paul wisdom of anxiety she's also on instagram who yeah and she speaks she speaks a lot about relationships and anxiety one i really like is i'm rising woman as well she's also local yes yes yes, to vancouver um that account's incredible just about like mindfulness in relationships and attachment and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like when you go back to these Instagram pages, like they're just so beneficial to the average woman or the average person. I'm gonna yeah. say I'm not gonna even say the education average woman. for everyone. Yeah, education for everyone because they open your horizons. They open your mind to the different ways we should be thinking about dating and sex, mm-hmm. and they allow you to question your intrusive thoughts. So they don't have as much of a hold over you as they would normally. I think. it's gonna sound cheesy but education is power oh yeah and and when you have that power you can battle that multiverse brain as i told as i said before and say actually you know brain mm, i think you're just bugging (laughs) and you just need to chill out and i think what you're really afraid of is that you're you're not desirable or you're not perfect or you're not doing it right but there is so much more to learn in this moment than just being perfect and I think if you are more in your body and more just calm, calm and focused on the present moment, then you won't have this fear-based response or these fear-based questions because you'll be thinking about how enjoyable this is in this moment. Exactly. I was just going to say too, some of the most helpful posts that I've seen and quotes that I've read have been when you start to focus on pleasure in the moment instead of a finish line, sex is so much more enjoyable mm-hmm. for you and for everybody. Instead of being like, I need to make it to this point. I need to have an orgasm. I need it to be like this. Just enjoy the pleasure in the moment and what feels good for you. And the whole experience will be so much better 
for everyone. And when we start to normalize the different experiences and realize there is no normal, normal is that there is no normal, then a lot of that anxiety starts to dissipate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those intrusive questions uh, start to seem a little less potent um, and less needed. Like your brain doesn't feel like it needs to ask those questions anymore because you're recognizing that you are one of many and you're not just one of one.